0: Welcome to Island Conversations with Sherry Bracken, where we talk about issues facing our big island community. Island Conversations, Sunday mornings on KWXX at 6.30 and on B97B93 at 7 a.m. Or listen anytime at kwxx.com. Island Conversations, brought to you by KTA Superstores, where you're someone special every day since 1916. Now, here's your host and producer, Sherry Bracken.
1: Aloha. Thank you for joining us for Island Conversations. You may hear Island Conversations on the radio on the Big Island of Hawaii on Sundays on KWXX and on B97, B93, and the programs rebroadcast the following Friday on KPUA 670 AM in Hilo. And you may always get all of the Island Conversations online as podcasts. Wherever you get podcasts, just search for Island Conversations or at kwxx.com or at BXX. E ninety seven hawaiicom Almost three months ago, we spoke with Dr. Catherine May of West Hawaii Community Health Center. Dr. May is a behavioral psychologist, and at that time, we were at the very beginning of what was going to happen with COVID-19. Well, now we're several months into it, and nationally, people are feeling more depression. That seems to be happening here, and I thought it was about time to get an update on what we can do to address anxiety and stress that we're feeling, both from a basic health perspective and from a mental health perspective. So this morning, I'm talking with a physician assistant from West Hawaii Community Health Center, Chris Russell, and with Dr. Catherine May once again. Good morning, aloha, Dr. Catherine May.
2: Good morning, thank you for having
1: me. And we're also joined by physician assistant, Christopher Russell, aloha, Christopher.
3: Aloha, good morning.
1: I'm delighted to have you both here, and although what we really wanna focus on is mental health, I wanna start by asking you, you are both with West Hawaii Community Health Center, have you had positive covid patients and if so i'm curious what kind of symptoms they were experiencing what you've been seeing christopher
3: yeah so um we've had a small group of positive patients we've been testing out of a external triage tent at our main site in downtown kona since the very beginning every day as a service to the community so we've been testing we've probably tested i believe over 700 people now 750 and only five of those have been positive which is an awesome thing for our island of course and most of them have been coming in with flu-like illness, uh, fever, cough, kind of the classic symptoms, but all have recovered, and we actually haven't had a positive case. that was back in April, so we haven't had a positive case come through our clinic since then so
1: That's good news, yeah, very, good, very news. good news. So you yeah. haven't had people with what I would call the very strange symptoms, the what they call the COVID toes, the black and blue Toes, any children with that um, terrible inflammatory disease, anything like that?
3: Nothing strange like that, thank goodness. There were more mild cases and were quarantined and recovered perfectly fine.
1: Chris, you're a physician assistant, which means that you do primary care Mm -hmm. for an awful lot of patients. Dr. May, you're a psychologist, so you probably see them once they express need for, or it's obvious that they would need some mental health care. But relative to the standard patients, a lot of people, I believe, have been avoiding going to any kind of health clinic during this time of COVID, Chris. So what are you seeing relative to health issues that may be created because of fear of COVID, but are not COVID?
3: Yeah, so this is a large, unintended or unseen consequence of COVID-19. So as soon as uh, lockdowns came about for the state, we saw immediate drop in our patient volume down at least 30%, if not more in some areas. And a lot of those were high-risk patients, and we actually ask them to not come in, so those high-risk patients. But we decided as a health center that we would stay open, that we would see patients face-to-face in a very safe manner. We screen every patient before they walk into the clinic to make sure that our staff and our patients are safe. But there are really strict protocols with that because that's very important to us. We've jumped into telehealth very quickly. We definitely flew the plane before we built it on this, this scenario. And something that we've been wanting to do for years, we had to do in a matter of a week or two and we were able to service our patients from afar as much as possible. But there are a lot of patients that have not accessed care yet, and we are actively really pushing to get them in one way or the other, whether that be through telehealth or whether they come in in a safe manner. We need to see them, and I know, I I fully expect that across the world we're going to see an uptick in cancers that were preventable, but they didn't get their prevention done like colonoscopies. We're going to see upticks of heart attacks and stroke because patients are not getting their hypertension, their blood pressure, and their cholesterol under control. All those things that people are kind of putting to the side as they hunker down need to get back onto the forefront as a priority for their health or else there is going to be those consequences. Yeah.
1: Right now I would think, given that our island at this point as we record this interview has only one active case, that this is a perfect time to go to the doctor before we have any more cases, before we get an uptick, particularly because I just heard on I, probably CNN this morning that what they're finding is that the people with the most severe consequences from COVID-19 are those with underlying health conditions of diabetes, heart disease, and obesity.
3: Yes, Absolutely. Yeah, those are definitely the high risk patients aside from their age. Those three things are top of the list, as well as any lung disease like COPD. So now is the time, especially for our island. We're really doing very well right now. Yes, Inter Island Travel has is opened this week. And we'll see what that looks like, um, but they're being very careful about how that works out, and I think that um, we'll do well as an island, and now is the time to come see your PCP, whether that be us or somebody else. Please come.
1: Okay, and your primary care provider is the PCP? Yes, sorry. Okay, go see your doctor. <laughs> right. English language every English now and English language, and then.
3: sorry. Yes, yes. That's absolutely. okay.
1: But I really do want to talk about mental health issues because this actually all started – when a friend of mine told me that her grandson, who is 20, had, of course, lost his job, challenging to apply for unemployment, and that was going slowly for him. And she said he and his friends are really feeling a loss of hope. And I'm well past 20, and I know when I got out of college, you know, life was really easy. You could get a job, you could, I mean, we didn't have the kind of situations we have now. So Dr. May, tell us what you're seeing relative to people's mental health at this time, really in all ages, but I was particularly concerned hearing about young people. Absolutely. I
2: think when I last came in, we were right at the start of COVID. And so we were thinking about anxiety and kind of anticipation of what was going to happen. Since that time, at the clinic at West Hawaii, where medical saw a decline in patients, initially we had that too. And then we saw a real increase in folks accessing mental health treatment. We saw depression levels increase, especially. And I think we were quite surprised by that. We'd anticipated anxiety as being the primary mental health symptom. But what we found was that depression was really something that was increasing in a lot of folks. Here in Hawaii, we have low numbers for COVID. However, we have significantly higher numbers for unemployment. In certain zip codes, we're seeing unemployment rates as high as 47% in Waikoloa. So we have a a high number of folks who are out of work, who are at home, sometimes in situations that aren't favorable, uh, lack of income, domestic violence, increase in substance use, and as a result, that's having a real impact on their mental illness. Depression in particular.
1: Chris, you as a primary care provider might be the first stop, as well as colleagues of yours. If somebody comes in, how do you help assess whether they need to see a mental health professional? What should people be thinking about for themselves, their parents, their children, mm-hmm. as, as we're in this time where people really are feeling very down?
3: Yeah. So in the health center, this has been a priority for a very long time to screen everyone for depression 13 and older Um, and so we are always screening for depression and anxiety we have specific screeners that our staff does for everybody walking through the door, just normalizing it. Let's talk about this stuff. Let's make this right on the forefront. Let's ask these hard questions. It, it becomes more comfortable for the patients to talk about those things. So it allows us to red flag, you know, just look at those things and say, oh, it looks like, you know, you're, you're struggling with these items. Let's get you over and we have an integrated um, model where we then have someone like Dr. May that we can just say, hey, why don't you go down the hall and, and talk with Dr. May today and um, let's get you connected with some resources. Um, and so you know things that, that we 're looking for, of course, are more withdrawn, um, disconnected from their their um, the things that they enjoy doing, lack of sleep or too much sleep, and then of course, any kind of suicidal thoughts where it gets more serious and We definitely have seen an uptick in all of these things as patients have come in and Not only, you know, adults losing their jobs and their income and their financial security, but seeing it also in youth and thinking about all of these kids who have had a lot of things canceled on them, their lives, their their outlets for their their passions like sports and music and school in general, all those things were pulled out very quickly from them. And I think a lot of them have kind of lost their way and lost what their purpose is and not sure what's next. And I think the uncertainty is really getting to a lot, a lot of our population right now and not know what's next. What am I supposed to do? Who am I now? I don't have school. I don't have sports. What's my identity? And I think um, that can be a dangerous spot to be. And uh, I think it's a it's a privilege and a blessing to be able to be in a position where we can bring the youth and the adults in and, and say, hey, let's talk about this. And let's get you connected.
1: So. Well, I know that the community health centers on our island and statewide are absolutely instrumental in this. In fact, at the most recent Governor Ige press conference, Bruce Anderson, the director of health, mentioned that They had done a survey on Kauai and found a significantly high rate of depression. They're not going to do that survey on every island, but he did mention they are really looking to community health centers. And of course, there's people who have Kaiser and HMSA where the same thing applies. But Dr. May, when somebody walks in your door, tell us what are the kind of things you want to know from them to help you understand what their situation is, and then how do you help them? How can we as people in the community also think about this?
2: Right. Well, I think federally qualified health centres really have a, a major role in COVID because we treat people regardless of ability to pay. So folks that may have had insurance through employment and have lost it, we're now able to see them. And we've always been able to work with folks on Medicaid or without insurance. So we're seeing an increase in folks coming through that way. So we're available to anyone. I think Chris made a good point that young people are seeing this real shift in their life in terms of a sense of hope and sense of role and identity. So when we work with people we get a referral from a medical provider we're going to be looking for signs of depression and those would include sort of ongoing depression for most of the day every day, a lack of energy, difficulty with sleep, kind of motor either retardation or agitation those are some of the things and then of course uh, like Chris mentioned the suicidality and with suicide it gets complicated because there are two types of suicidal thought that we refer to and one is called passive suicidality and that is when somebody just has a kind of lingering feeling of maybe what's the point why am I here I don't know if I really want to wake up tomorrow. And the other is a more active suicidal thought, which is when somebody is thinking about ways that they might end their life, writing letters to family, those kind of things. And both types of suicidality are very concerning, and we would always want to help people. But we're really going to be assessing for where they fall on that spectrum. Do we need to get them urgent help? Do we need to take them to the hospital or get somebody to take them up to the hospital? Or is it something that we can work with them on coping mechanisms, look at medication to support their mood, and do kind of brief intervention to support them in getting well quite quickly. I think lack of hope is a really big one with depression. And so sometimes behavioral health is there really just to show people that there is a future, that there is something worth getting up for, and that there's somebody who cares for them and wants to help them through this difficult time.
1: When you mention suicide, people taking their own life, I don't want to go any further without asking you. I know that there is an immediate Helpline, a hotline for that. Why don't you mention that number in case anybody is in that situation? Absolutely, thank you. Yeah, so I think it's really important for
2: us to say that today's advice that we're talking about is really general advice and it's not um, intended to make up for medical advice. So if you're feeling any symptoms, going to your doctor is the first step. If your symptoms feel urgent, so you're having active suicidal thought, then either calling 911 or going to your local hospital and alternatively, the crisis line of Hawaii Is available 24 hours a day. Their number is 1 800 753 6879.
1: Okay, what was that number again? That's 1
2: 800 753 6879.
1: I actually called those people the other day just to ask, well, so, you know, we're way out here on the big island what do you really do for us? And they had really good answers. They said they have providers immediately available on every island that they will actually go out to somebody's house. Mm -hmm. I was really impressed. Yeah, 24-7. Yeah, so it's good to know that that resource is there. And what you said about the federally qualified community health centers, I suspect that what you're talking about is something that is being seen all around the island because the problem that we're all facing as a group is exactly what Chris said – Unemployment. And I have to mention that in the last Monday State Senate, or no, it was the State House COVID 19 update, Carl Bonham of the University of Hawaii Economic Research Organization mentioned that this unemployment situation is not going to get better soon. It's going to get worse. Mm -hmm. So I think it's something people should anticipate, particularly people who are put back on a payroll because of the PPP funds; mm-hmm. those run out at the end of July, right? Unless the federal government extends it, right? We're a tourism-centric economy, and it looks like tourism
2: is not going to be returning to any sort of normal for at least another year. So we're going to anticipate folks being out of work for a significant period of time, and so this lack of income for the island, I think, is really going to impact a lot of folks. I know personally. People who work in the boating industry thinking about changing profession, people who work in the hotel industry thinking about moving elsewhere. So it's really sort of a great catalyst almost for people having to make massive life changes quite quickly.
1: And a brief interruption to remind you, this is Island Conversations, and I'm Sherry Bracken. We're here on the radio on the Big Island of Hawaii every Sunday, 6.30 a.m. KWXX, 7.00 a.m. B97-B93. And Island Conversations is available as a podcast wherever you get podcasts. Just look for Island Conversations and also online at kwxx.com and b97hawaii.com. Today, we're talking with Dr. Catherine May and physician assistant Chris Russell both from West Hawaii Community Health Center about some of the physical and emotional challenges we are all going through right now. Before we get back to our conversation a word from our sponsor.
0: At KTA local and fresh means you get the very best Hawaii Island has to offer. The grass-fed meats you find at KTA are raised without added hormones or antibiotics. Our seafood department is stocked with sustainable choices caught in local waters by local fishermen. KTA Carries the largest selection of Hawaii Island homegrown produce. Our Mountain Apple brand is all local, so you know it's fresh and delicious. Local and fresh always tastes best at KTA.
1: If somebody is not feeling like they need to go see a health professional, but they are feeling some of these feelings. I mean, there's right now, as you described, Chris, people who can't do their sports, well, I haven't played tennis for months. People have been getting laid off and we're not having face-to-face meetings. We're not doing face-to-face candidate forums right now, which we should be doing because we have a really important election in August. There's people who are feeling the change, but maybe not feeling full depression. And there may be people at home feeling depression. Give us some more thoughts on how people can really deal with this, even if they don't feel they need to go see a physician or a mental health
3: professional. I can talk on this, and so can Dr. May. Yeah, I, we're social beings, right? We need that social interaction. We need to be talking with each other. We're, we're used to hugging, especially here in Hawaii. And, and this is a tough transition. This is a very difficult transition, just the social engagement in general, And I think it's important that there's a balance, I think, where we should be careful and prudent with our choices and mask wearing and social distancing, but also not fearful, not fearful of the future, not fearful and to move forward with a knowledge that, hey, things are gonna get better. There is silver lining in all of this. There is opportunity in all of this, even though it seems so dismal on the media. And I caution, even my own family, to minimize watching media because of how fear-driven it is. And that is not helpful when we're talking about our community who is anxious and this uncertainty. So I think it's really important to try break off of that. It's okay to be concerned, but when the worry and the fear comes in, that's an unhealthy place to be, I think.
1: Well, that's a really good point. And I think I told Dr. May when she was here at the beginning of this, which seems like an eternity ago, that a friend of mine had mentioned that she was having an overload of news, that she couldn't tear herself away, but it was really making her feel bad. And we are very different here in Hawaii, thank goodness. I mean, we do have very low virus count in the state, even though we've had recent upticks in cases. But still, by comparison, if you look at what's going on on the mainland, knock on wood, we're good but we do need to be cautious. Dr. May, talk a little bit about, you know, if we don't think we need to see a health professional, what else should we be doing? Right. I describe depression like
2: wearing a pair of sunglasses.
1: What it will do is it will filter
2: out positive information. And so we sort of have to overcome this by using some strategies that we may feel may not help, but if we do them, they will. So a sort of a sense of fake it till you make it. And so for depression, what we know is that being active is really the number one thing that you can do. So as long as you're able to do this safely, getting out even for a 10 minute walk is really going to boost your mood. Boost those endorphins, and that's going to have a nice antidepressant effect. Um, socialization, as much socialization as, as we can safely do. We talked last time about how there's new technology that allows us to interact with people. So, for example, grandparents reading stories to the kids is a lovely example that I've heard of ways that... Older folk can interact with their family in a meaningful way, so getting creative with those ways of socializing, zoom meetings, those kind of things. thinking about others right shifting our focus away from ourselves is another way to to help boost our mood. Um, And then lastly, when we feel really overwhelmed, it's easy to start catastrophizing and thinking about the future, right? What is my future going to look like a year from now, five years from now? Um, And I really take a a lesson from recovery and those in the 12-step program, which is that they focus on one day at a time. When they're early in recovery, it can be really hard to think about being sober for the rest of your life. And so using that analogy just to say, OK, can I get through the next hour? Can I get through the next day? It can really help to kind of bring us to the present instead of allowing our thoughts to drift to the what if Anxiety and thinking about the future is our mind's way of trying to alleviate uncertainty and anxiety, but it can often create a worst case scenario for us. And so if we're living in the worst case scenario, that's not going to be helpful. The reality is if we can focus on today, can I go for a walk along the beach? Can I talk to a friend? Can I think about helping somebody else out who may be stuck without friends or family? That would be a really lovely way to get yourself through just one more day.
1: Well, I think the part about trying to help others is a really good point. Reaching out, even if you can't maybe do it in person. But it, it does take effort. Right. But I've found that it's made me feel better if I've asked some people in my neighborhood, gee, I'm going to the store. Do you need me to pick up anything for you? I mean, it feels sort of good. Right. But I have to tell you, Dr. May... You talk about one day at a time at one time in my life, I had a really bad romantic breakup, and you know my life was over. I mean, I was an adult, but it was very hard. But what I kept thinking about was in a year or two i 'll look back at this and it won 't be devastating it 's devastating today, but things will be different and right now, for me personally. I am trusting that we will get herd immunity one way or another. We will get a vaccine. We will be able, I hope, to get back to normal because right now the hardest thing, I think, is when you see people and our natural inclination is always to give a hug. And and here in Hawaii, it's people you know, people you don't know. I mean, people you meet for the first time. I don't want that to be gone from our society. I'm afraid it is for a while. I think for a short while, but
2: we've been through big events in history before. We've been through two world wars, and in the moment folks didn't know what their future would look like. They were probably in very similar positions to us. I have family abroad. I don't know when the next time my children will see their grandparents. So these are thoughts that I can dwell on, I can get really concerned about, or I can think about, right, what can I get through today? I think COVID has been interesting from a mental health point of view because it actually mimics a lot what retirement can be like for people. I work with a lot of individuals who have just recently retired, and they talk about this kind of lack of, of uh, motivation, not knowing what they should do with their days, not knowing what their identity is. And without the structure of kind of going to work every day, having those routines in place, it can be hard for us to know who we are and our mood can be impacted. So with those folks and with the individuals I'm working with now, I talk about create a routine for yourself, even if it's an artificial one. Just find a way to create some structure in your day and focusing on that short-term goals can
1: really be helpful. Chris talked about when you have patients in, you automatically screen them if they're over 13 for depression. But Dr. May is it possible for little children to be depressed? And how does a parent recognize that and then deal with it?
2: Absolutely. I think children especially are struggling right now. Children are out of school. They're not getting socialization. I have two young children. There's some regression in behavior that I'm hearing from other parents, some regression in educational ability. So I think there are some definite presentations out there. Children sometimes don't present with the classic symptoms of depression. They may not say, hey, mum, I feel sad. I don't feel like I have motivation to do things. So it may present in different ways in young children. Temper tantrums, angry outbursts, complaining of stomach aches, difficulty with sleep. These are all things that children may be presenting with rather than a typical adult presentation. So it may be harder to read in children. And the temper tantrums or the, the behavioral problems are the most common symptom that I'm hearing about from other parents and from the folks that I work with. How should parents deal with that? It's tough. A lot of the same stuff, right? Children thrive on boundaries, on routine, and in structure. And I think a lot of parents are realizing how much the schools provided that for their children, the socialization, the structure. um, Children knew what to expect every day. When you're at home with your children, you're trying to school them and work at the same time, clean the house, it can be really hard to do that. So getting creative with, with ways to develop a routine for your children and structure would be a really great place to start.
1: I've heard some parents say they're kind of surprised their kids are saying, I want to go to school, as opposed to, darn, school is starting. So you're right, the kids actually, they're missing that. They're
2: missing it. And one thing that I would add is that it's really tempting right now for children to get into a kind of summer routine. And I'm hearing about bedtimes getting later and later, especially for young children. We know that sleep in children is really important. So getting your kids to bed at a fairly reasonable hour. I know that's not always easy, but that can really help with management of a lot of these symptoms.
1: You mentioned you already have patients who have recently retired and are kind of like wondering what their life is. But I think also what I've seen a little bit in this situation where more people are working from home is they're maybe rethinking their priorities and like, hmm, maybe this is a good thing. Maybe I do want to spend more time with my family.
2: Yeah, I think this is going to be a real opportunity for change for some folks and an opportunity to think about what is it that we want to be doing. I think families are reassessing, you know, how are we going to educate our children in the future? Are we going to send them back to school? Is one parent going to stop working so that they can be there for their children more? So I think we're seeing some big shifts in people's decisions.
1: As we get to the end of our time together, Chris Russell, physician assistant, what would you like to say in closing?
3: Um, I think I just would like to reiterate that there is silver lining in all of this. And I think you mentioned it. I think family structure is changing, you know, sitting down to eat dinner together. Priorities are shifting. And I think that that was actually something that was needed. And, you know, I think the kind of the work-driven world that we live in, I think it's great that we've had to slow down. It's forced us to slow down. And um, so I think as a parent of five kids, it's important for me to to reflect on my uh, to my kids that there is hope for the future this is a tough time this is this really is crummy that we can't do this and that and all this is canceled and you can't see your friend here but it will get better and we will be stronger on the other side of it as a country as a family as a community as a clinic um, we will be stronger and we'll be in a, a better position for the future and what's what's to come
1: Thank you so much, Chris Russell, for being with us. Now, Dr. Catherine May, as we close, what would you like to say as your final thoughts? I think to align with
2: Chris that there is hope. I think a lot of folks, because they're home alone, they can feel really isolated in their experience. And I think I just want to share that a lot of individuals are going through this, that there's a real power in naming what you're going through. I talked about this last time that simply saying I feel depressed because of COVID. I feel anxious because of COVID. There's some real power in that and normalizing this. You're not alone that other folks are experiencing it. It's a worldwide pandemic. So there is hope. Others are experiencing it too and to reach out and seek out therapy if you can.
1: And I'd like to mention that all of the community health centers on the Big Island have the same kind of capabilities as does West Hawaii Community Health Center. There's Bay Clinic, Puna Community Medical Center, Hamakua Health Center. There's a lot of resources. And I know that when I recently referred a friend to West Hawaii Community Health Center, she was able to get an appointment right away. So, Yeah. Yeah, we're seeing patients, we're open,
2: and we're available, and we we want to help people
1: through this time. Great. Thank you so much to both of you for being with us. Aloha. Aloha, thank you.
3: Aloha, thank you.
1: And to our audience, thank you so much for being with us. Please do, as Dr. May and Chris Russell suggested, if you need to see a mental health professional, call any of our community health centers, West Hawaii Community Health Center, Bay Clinic, Puna Medical Center, Hamakua Clinic, or if you need immediate help, either call 211, just 211 on the phone, or 800 753 6879. 800 753 6879. I'm Sherry Bracken. This is Island Conversations. Until next time, please let's all live and drive with aloha. Ahoy ho.
0: Thank you for listening to Highland Conversations with Sherry Bracken, available anytime at kwxx.com. We welcome your feedback and suggestions at info at kwxx.com. Join us next week for another Highland Conversations with Sherry Bracken, brought to you by KTA Superstores, where you're someone special every day since 1916.